Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. And if you got your Bible, turn to Philippians. We're going to be there again. Philippians, we're going to be uh, in chapter 2 this week, actually. And can y'all say thank you to our guys for leading worship tonight? Good stuff. We're, we're going to sing some more later, so um, be looking forward to that. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Hey, let me, uh, I know we just prayed, but I, I, want to, I feel like I, for myself, at least need to pray again real quick. <clears throat> God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this group of students. And I pray that as we approach your word, Lord, that we would be um, hungry to hear from you and Lord, that we would be humble, ready to listen. And I pray that you would um, speak through me, God. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we talk about your word tonight, Lord, and um, focus on you, that, Lord, that I myself would, would be humbled as well and, and would hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had an experience... Um, and if you haven't had this, and it's okay, it doesn't mean you're weird. It may mean you're normal, I don't know. But, um, uh, you go to some sort of Christian like camp or retreat, or maybe it's like at your church or whatever, and you come back and you're like super, super excited about Jesus, you're just not sure what to do. Anybody? Yeah, yeah okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah, I remember um, my first camp experience, I was uh, let's see, going into eighth grade, I guess, yeah, going into eighth grade, and we went to, some of y'all heard of uh, Centrifuge before, we were in, I grew up, where's, uh, where's Rob at, East Coast, that's right, you need to meet Lauren, she's from, my wife's from East Coast too, anyways, so we went to North Carolina, uh, Ridgecrest, to go to this camp, and came back, and I seriously was psyched out of my mind, I was so, we actually, they gave us, I have no idea why they did this, but they gave us at camp, these tool belts. I'm not really sure why you give seventh graders tool belts, like why that's cool. But I was so excited about Jesus and, and just like who God was that I was walking around, like I would seriously walk around the house with my tool belt on that said Fuge on it. And my mom was like, why do you have that? Because I'm excited about Jesus. And she's like, I get it. I just don't see the connection, right? Um, I, really, I was so excited. I would, I would, some of y'all, this dates me a little bit, but there was a song by uh, Sonic Flood called In the Secret. Some of y'all remember that song? And I would jam it on my CD player. Do you know what a CD player is? Just say yes. If you, okay, good. Hello, hello, hello. But I would play that over and over and over. My sister finally, I remember her being like, did you learn any other songs at camp? Like, is there anything else? But it was interesting, a better word is sad, I remember that week back, after we got back, even though I was doing all those things, I was being, I was, again, I was going into eighth grade, so a little frame of reference on age, I was being a complete tool, a complete jerk towards my sisters. So I'm like in my room, like praising God in the secret, in the quiet place, shut up, Lauren, I hate you. My sister's name is Lauren. Um, don't, uh, that's weird, creepy, right? <laughs> But just being a, such a jerk, I remember my mom came back one, one evening and knocked on the door. I think my dad was just like, didn't know what to do with the seventh grade boy. But my, my mom came back, knocked on the door, she said, Brandon, I love your passion about Jesus and how you experienced him. I don't really get the tool belt, but I love your excitement. But don't you think, if you've had this encounter with Jesus, and he's this exciting to you, and he's this real to you, might, maybe, perhaps, should that change the way you treat your sisters? And I was like, I mean, she pretty much dropped the mic and walked out. You know what I'm saying? I remember I was like, dang. Like, she's right. <laughs> dang. Yeah, she, she, she straight up roasted me. Should your relationship with Jesus change you? 
Oh, let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> Should your relationship with Jesus change you? Yes. Oh, oh, okay, good. <laughs> Hello. Oh, God scared me. <laughs> Should your relationship with Jesus change the way you treat people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Tonight, I love this passage in Philippians, Philippians 2, because God, through Paul, tells us how our relationship with Jesus, what we've experienced from him, should change the way we treat people. I love, if you remember last week, if you weren't here, it's no big deal, but in, back in chapter 1, verse 27, he talks about letting um, or your manner of life being worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that man, if you know Jesus, you've been changed by Jesus, that should change the way you live, and this is one of those ways. Let me say this. Some of you in here, a lot of you in here, maybe all of us in here, man, we've, we've been burned sometimes by Christianity and the church because we see people who claim to know Jesus, but they act like every, they're, they're jerks. Maybe, even, maybe they're even more of a jerk. More of jerks? You get what I'm trying to say. They're even ruder than people who don't say they know Jesus. And so, man, this is so important that we get this. How should our relationship with Christ change the way we live, the way we treat people. Check this out. Chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Your relationship with Jesus should lead you to love others the way you have been loved. You should want to benefit others the way you have been benefited in Jesus, so to speak. I love this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, and to spare you the Greek lesson, what's going on here in the Greek? When he says if, and he's saying, and you have, so it's not like if, I don't know. Have you experienced any goodness from Jesus? No, he's saying, so if you've experienced these things in Jesus, and and by the way, I know you have, if you're a Christian, if there's any encouragement in Christ. So if, if walking with Jesus and, and spending time with him and knowing him is an encouragement to you on dark days, if it brings you hope, if there's any comfort from love, so if the, if the love of Jesus comforts you in dark times, in those difficult times when, when you don't know what the future holds, or you can't really, you're not sure why that terrible thing happened, but all you know is Jesus is comforting you and you're experiencing his love. If you've experienced that, if there is any particip- excuse me, participation in the Spirit, so you sense the Holy Spirit working in your life, any affection and sympathy, so you've, you've felt the affection of God, that he, he sympathizes with you, that when you struggle, he says, man, I have struggled. When you hurt, he says, believe, Jesus says, believe me. I have hurt. Look at the nails in my hands and the, nails in my, the nail in my feet. He sympathizes with us. Sympathizes with us. So if, you, if you've experienced those things, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Have you noticed? It's part of what Paul's saying here. God obviously himself ministers to us, encourages us, loves us like we just read. But have you noticed that a lot of times he uses people to do those things? That's, that's part of what he's talking about when he talks about the encouragement in Christ and the comfort from love. It's not just from him directly, but also from him through his people. That, man, we experience encouragement and love and comfort and sympathy from God's people. So he's saying, if you've experienced those things, 
have the same mind. So you need to think the same way and show that same love and comfort and encouragement to other people. Have the same love. So this, the love that you've experienced from Christ and from Christ through his people, we're to show that to other people. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So it's this idea of, hey, it's no longer as a Christian, if you've experienced the goodness of Jesus, you've experienced his love and comfort, it's no longer just about you doing your own thing. It's not really about you anymore. Man, you're a part of a family. You're part of the body of Christ. And you're to ex- extend the same love, comfort, encouragement, all those things to people around you that you've experienced from Christ and from his, from his family, the church. Some of you all have been white, uh, white water rafting. We're going again this summer. Whoop, whoop, it's going to be fun. If you've ever been rafting, you know one of the things they show you when you, when you get on the raft before you get going, they, they teach you how to rescue somebody, right? So once they, once they fall out, you finally get up to them, you grab them by their life jacket, right? And you're supposed to like, literally like, throw yourself backwards, and they just land on top of you. So we've had some couples come out of that situation. Not really, no. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I don't know what was said, but that was apparently... Anyways, some, some, something going on over here. But yeah, you, you, you grab them by the straps and you pull them in. And it's, it's, it's funny how many times we've seen that happen. Sometimes in like a dangerous situation where there's rapids. But sometimes, like I think our first year rafting, we had two people fall out. When we were just like calmly floating, oh, look at the mountain goat. Psh, like, why did you fall out? Like, there's nothing, you know. Um, we, hey, let's not call names, Abby. <laughs> but it's, it's so important that when... That you, you help them. And we really have, so we've had experiences where you're kind of in the thick of a, of a difficult situation, especially when you're going through, we go to the uh, Royal Gorge in Colorado, and it's, there's some intense places. Um, can you imagine, you know, so you go, you, you go through a rapid and you fall out, and your, your buddy is in your boat, the person that's beside you jumps over and they grab a hold of you and they pull you in and fall in. You're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for rescuing me. That was crazy. You kind of laugh about it. And you start, you start you know, paddling again. And the next rapid comes and your buddy falls out and you're like, sucks to suck. <laughs> you know, that'd be messed up, right? <laughs> no, you, you're supposed to, like, hey, I got you, bro, right? Like, you help me. Let me help you real quick. I'm gonna pull you in, right? It's the right thing to do. That's, that's the picture here. That, hey, if you've experienced encouragement, if somebody has thrown the rope to you and pulled you in, Jesus has done that for us. The church other believers, have, they've done that for us, for you, for me. We're to extend the same. Same encouragement, love, comfort, sympathy, affection. We're, we're to have that same mind, that same heart. So it means when somebody has fallen out of the boat, so to speak. Man, they, they just kind of struggling. They're not, they're not really sure about church anymore. They're not really sure about their purpose in life anymore. It means that we throw them a rope and say... Hey, whether or not I've been there before, it doesn't matter. Jesus has reached out to me. I want to reach out to you. I want to, I want to get you back in this boat. It means that when somebody has become trapped in a rapid, sometimes a rap, the way the rapids work, it can, it's like it, just, it sucks you under, right? It's, it's, it's moving like this, and literally, like, you can't get above it. Sometimes we get in rapids of sin, right, where you can't get out of it. You're stuck. Because Jesus has pulled us out of lots of rapids. <laughs> we have to do the same and say, hey, I got you, girl. I got you, bro. Help him out. Show him encouragement. 
comfort, love. And then when you do get them back in the boat, you put an arm around them, and we've done this like literally in the raft, and say, hey, that was scary, but I got you, right? It's going to be okay. Your relationship with Jesus should lead you to love others the way you have been loved. It's not really just about you anymore. It's, it's about other people and showing them what Christ has shown you. But he, he actually says some more things. It's really cool about this idea of it not just being about you. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your relationship with Jesus should lead you to focus on other people. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. I think part of the reason I felt like I needed to pray before we started, and I, I, this is difficult for me. I honestly don't know many people that don't struggle with this. But I, I know there are often times I, I, I do things out of selfish ambition. So in other words, I, I want to, it's all about me. How is this going to make me look? So I, I've even done, like, this is t- terrible, but I've done, quote, spiritual things just so I look, look. when I say good, I don't mean like fine, but like good, like makes me look like a better person, right? So don't do things for selfish ambition. Don't do things out of conceit. Conceit is, man, I, I don't want anybody else to get credit. I want everybody else to know how awesome I am. Yeah, I, just to, to be honest, an example of uh, how I struggle, or that I do struggle with this, just the other day, somebody was talking about something that happened at, when we had the window broken down at the building. Zach, just kidding, I love you, dog. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we were talking about like, who, whose idea it was and everything, and, and even I, like, was, I found myself wanting to get credit for fixing, fixing the window, which was just stupid, because one, I didn't fix it. <laughs> And two, it doesn't matter, right? It's a, it's a window. <laughs> but I, I was conceited. I want to I I get credit for it, right? I, wanna, I want people to think I'm cool, right? It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. People that are selfish, that they're always in it for themselves and they're conceited, they're kind of whiners. Why do I have to do this? Don't y'all know who I am? I got a reputation, right? Why do I have to do this? Or they're always worried about their, their recognition. Uh, am I going to get thanks for this? Because if I don't get thanks for this, I'm out, cuz. Right? Or they're worried about their reward. If I do this, what am I going to get? What am I going to get out of this? Don't, be, don't have selfish ambition. Don't, don't be conceited. It's not all about you. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So humility, it's not just that you're thinking less of yourself, like, man, I'm a loser, I'm not even that cool. It, it's, no, it's saying, hey, I'm not focused on myself, it's, it's thinking of myself less. So I'm, rather than focusing on myself, I'm going to focus on other people and what are their interests, what are, what are, what are their needs, what are their wants. I think kind of maybe somewhat of a silly way to illustrate this, but nonetheless. By the way, Lauren, I borrowed our mirror from the house. Hope you don't mind. It's like in my mirror. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. 
<laughs> um, selfish people, but we, we talked about this this summer, so some of y'all might recognize this, but should have washed this off a little bit. Selfish, pe- her, selfish people see everything they encounter, every, every relationship, every opportunity, every experience. Oh, sorry if I'm blinding you. They, they view it like a mirror. In other words, everything they experience is like, first of all, it's like, damn, I'll be looking good. And everything that they encounter in life, they look to the mirror and say, how can this affect me? How can this impact me? So this decision, this conversation, this, this blessing I got, man, how can I use this for me? Because I love me, so I'm me, right? Prideful people, selfish people, man, it's, everything's, everything's right here. Humble people, rather than everything being like a mirror, every opportunity, every conversation, every blessing they get, Maybe it more like a window, which I also should have cleaned. This is not from our house, by the way. <laughs> Got some burglars at the house right now coming through the window. <laughs> yeah, humble people see everything through a window. In other words, I know life's not all about me, but that actually there are other people out there. So every, every conversation, every blessing, every opportunity... Rather than, man, how does this reflect? How could this be about me? They say, oh, there's people out there. Who out there can I bless? <clears throat> Excuse me. Who out there, man, can I help? What are their needs? What are their, their interests? You with me? Prideful people, it's a mirror. All I see is me. Humble people, it's a window. Man, I, I see lots of people out there. So I've got this gift. I've got this talent. I've got some extra time. You're college students, so you probably don't have extra money. If you do, that's cool. <laughs> Humble people, whatever it is, they say, I've got these resources, I, what time, whatever. I want to use it to bless other people. It's not just about me. I had a buddy um, in college. His name was Joey. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool guy. Um, he, in college, Joey didn't have any money. I mean, that's that's Stupid to say after saying he was in college, but we were in college together, and when I say he didn't have any money, he really didn't have any money. He came from a very poor family. His truck, um, no lie, he, there were always, you know, like the semi-truck, um, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the tie-down belts they use, you know what I'm talking about? I can't, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, the, the big serious straps they used to tie down things. Everything on his truck was held together with those straps. <laughs> like, literally, it was, in this... Uh, he didn't have much money. He, um, yeah, kind of like cables, I guess, yeah. Ratchets. ratchets, thank you. He didn't look ratchet, but he had ratchets. <laughs> Abby. <laughs> yeah, this dude, uh, anyways, the, the point is, he didn't have much money. Another one of our friends, Sean, also didn't have much money. Um, Sean was about, uh, probably about six hours, seven hours from where he grew up, where his family, where his mom still lived. And uh, long story short, his mom became very, very sick and was in the hospital and didn't really have the funds to take care of everything. And Sean was super stressed, didn't know what to do. One weekend, Joey just went missing. When I say missing, like, we were like, no, everyone was like, seriously, where's Joey? Was, Joey was the epitome of redneck. Like, he literally all the time had a kayak strapped on his truck. You never know when you might find a river, hey? Like, he was, he was so redneck. 
So it wasn't, it wasn't that weird. It was like, I had Joey, literally, he's probably kayaking somewhere. Um, well, Sunday night, late Sunday night rolls back around. Joey comes rolling up, and like it's nothing, no, no show, no big deal. Walks into Sean, gives him a hug, pulls out, I don't know how much money, and says, Sean, I spent all weekend up in Alabama, where, it was North, North Florida. I spent all weekend up in Alabama uh, painting. I just found random paint jobs, and here's all the money I can make, and I want you to have it, and I want you to go visit your mom. That's humility. That's, <laughs> what did he say? Looking not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others to say, hey, I, it's, it's the weekend. I need me some me time, right? And instead, Joey's saying, hey, m- my brother, it's in his interest to go visit his mom. So I'm going to work my butt off all weekend and give him all the money. Man, that, that's humility. But you know, there, there's an even better example of humility in putting other people first. And Paul, Paul knows it, so he tells us. Verse 5. <clears throat> Have this mind, a humble mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to hold on to, to cling to it. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The greatest example of humility and putting other people first is who? Jesus. If we have a relationship with Jesus, then that, should, that should wreck our lives in a really, really cool way when we realize that he humbled himself the creator of the universe humbled himself to come and to rescue us and to save us. He, by all means, put, put our needs before his own, right? He could have just said, man, it sucks to be them, kind of like the whole raft thing, right? But he left heaven to come and rescue us. And I love verses 9 through 10 where it says, God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name so that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He's saying it's, it's, it's the vindication of Jesus. In other words, it's, it's God saying, what Jesus did, the way he lived a humble life, that's real. I'm, I'm very, very uh, much making this way too simple. But <laughs> he's saying, what Jesus did, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to reward people who live in humility, who put other people first. Y'all, God sees and God blesses us when we live humble lives. Now, I don't mean like, man, you're going to be rich now, but that... In whatever way, but we may not realize until we get to heaven, but God rewards that. I love what in Matthew, I think it's me, uh, wrote this down, Matthew 23, 12, and James 4, 10, say that God humbles those who exalt, exalt themselves, but he exalts, exalts, lifts up those who humble themselves. God rewards the humble. He sees it. We are not going to get to heaven and been like, dang, I wish I would have been more prideful. 
<laughs> We're not going to get to heaven and go, man, those people down there, they did not realize how awesome I am. I really wish I would have spent more money on me, more time on me. No. We're going to say, man, I wish I would have lived in more humility. I wish I would have focused more on other people. Mark Driscoll says, those who seek all the glory get all the misery. (laughs) When you're seeking after all the fame, all the attention, the glory, it only leads to misery. When you seek to put other people first and, hey, it's not about me. Yes, I'm going to strive to do my best and, 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 man, I I take pride in what I do. But when you don't go too far with that, you just say, man, I want to focus. I want to use my my gifts, my resources, my life to bless other people. God blesses that. There's freedom in that. I want to look at this just for a second longer. Think about the humility of Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus, the creator of the universe, who sustains the universe, left heaven, his home there, to come to the earth to not have a home. To be homeless. He left heaven where there is no shortage of food or anything to come here and to experience Hunger, thirst. He left heaven, perfect relationships to come to earth to experience brokenness. He left heaven, no pain, to come to earth and experience lots of pain and agony. Betrayal. He humbled himself because he wasn't just concerned about himself. He was concerned about us. says that the end of verse 8, or verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And oh, by the way, not just any death, even death on a cross. Crucifixion was reserved for the most despicable, disgusting, depraved human beings. And Jesus said, hey, you know what? I need to save my children. I'm willing to die on a cross to rescue them. That's Humility, that's putting other people first. Carl Henry, commentator, said, There is no room for arrogance next to the cross. There is no room for arrogance next to the cross. Think about how ridiculous that is. If, if, again, this is possible, but the idea of standing beside, beside the Savior of the world, the Creator of the world... As he hangs on a wooden cross after being beaten to a bloody pulp. And he did that to come, and, to, to come and rescue us, though we had rebelled against him. So he humbled himself. And for us to stand there and be like, Psh, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to put you first. It's about me. That's, that's ridiculous, right? The idea of, yeah, I love him. I'm going to follow him. He's my hero. But Psh, I'm not going to serve you. There's no room for arrogance next to the cross. If I, if I could sum up this whole passage and as we finish here, how should your relationship with Jesus change you? Experiencing the goodness of Jesus should lead you 
to live with the humility of Jesus. If you've experienced the goodness of Jesus, his love, his comfort, his forgiveness, you've seen that he humbled himself, though he didn't have to, he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross to rescue you, to forgive you of your sins, so you can have a relationship with him. When you see that, it should lead you as a believer to live with the humility that he has. Experiencing the goodness of Jesus should lead you to live with the humility of Jesus. So here's what I want to say, first of all, as we close tonight. If you're here tonight and you're not a believer, you never experienced the goodness of Jesus, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his comfort, his sympathy, his affection. Now, I beg you to come to him tonight. Realize that he, like, he came the whole distance, right? Left heaven, came to earth. That's kind of a long ways, right? And not just came to earth, like went to the point of death on a cross to come and rescue, rescue you. He humbled himself to that point. So I'm going to ask you tonight just to be, to be willing and ready to say, Jesus, I see who you are. I see how sinful and sick and wretched I am, and I want you to be the Savior of my life. I want to believe in you. I do believe in you, and I want to follow you. I want you to be in charge of my life. I, I beg you to experience the goodness of Jesus. Now, we know from Philippians, it's not going to be easy. You're going to face difficult times as a believer, but I'm telling you, the goodness of Jesus, Jesus himself, is totally worth it. Am I right? He's totally worth it. So maybe that means tonight, if you're like, hey, I want to become a Christian, maybe it means during the next song we sing, just praying, saying, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you. If you need help with that, kind of what that looks like, talk, I would love to talk with you afterwards or while we're singing. Maybe somebody you came with, we'd love to talk with you. But believers, here's what I want us to do. I want us, as we sing in a second and really as we move forward throughout this weekend and everything, I want us to pray that we be able to, to realize the magnitude of the humility of Jesus. And that, that would motivate us and inspire us to live humble lives. Here's, here's what I really do believe with all my heart and why this message is hard to preach because it, it shows there's things wrong with me. A greater perspective of Jesus always leads to a greater pursuit of humility. A greater perspective of Jesus. The, the, the bigger he is to you, the more you understand the magnitude of the fact that he left heaven to come and rescue you, the greater your perspective of that, your, the way you understand that, the greater your pursuit of humility is going to be. Because you're going to realize, man, that's who he is. Look what he did for me. Man, I want to be a humble person. I want to serve other people. I want to love other people. So here's what I would say. If, if you're here tonight and you, like me, struggle with humility, struggle to put other people first, the, the remedy for that is to what? To get a better perspective of Jesus. Because <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe when, if you're his child, the more you understand who he is and what he's done for you, you can't help but want to be like him. You tracking with me? So as we sing this song, I want you to think about who he is and what he's done, his humility, and let that inspire you, motivate you to put other people first, to be a humble person. Experiencing the goodness of Jesus should always lead you to live with the humility of Jesus. Let me pray for us, and we're going to sing a little bit about how awesome Jesus is. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for, again, this group of students. And God, I pray that you would help us to live 
humble lives. You would help us to put other people first. Well, I know we all, <laughs> in one form or fashion, struggle with humility because it's, <laughs> it's in our sinful nature to want to wanna be first, to want to have all the attention. So, Lord, I pray that tonight as we sing, as we're reminded of who you are, what you've done, Lord, that that would, Lord, that we, that would redirect our hearts, our minds, Lord, so that we would want to be like you. And, God, I pray that if there's someone in here tonight that doesn't know you, that hasn't experienced your goodness, I pray that you would work in their hearts, Lord, that you would save them tonight. Lord, that if they need you, that they, they would be willing to talk to me or to, to Lauren or David or to Julia or anybody about knowing you. God, we love you, and I pray that you would just speak to us as we sing. In your name we pray, amen.